We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, what's going on? Well, I'm here. I'm I'm fine. Where's Where's our pal? Where's Brendan? Brendy Bear is under the weather. He's got oh. a he's got a cold, and he had some work to do. And he called in sick today. Uh, me and Sean tried to get this thing going about an hour ago, just so everyone knows. Um, <laughs> and then the lights went on. The Kings uh, made a trade, uh, and then the lights went off for Sean Cunningham. All the power in his home went off. Uh, so very, a very interesting afternoon that we're having here. Uh, Sean, uh, let's just start there. I had to make sure we paid the bill. I was like, wait, we're we're up to date on this, right? (laughs) I always hate the The gas is out. Did we pay that bill? (laughs) Did we pay that one? Did we pay that one? I don't remember what we did. Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. Uh, okay. So, uh, the (laughs) Sacramento Kings, have officially acquired uh, Kessler Edwards from the Brooklyn Nets. Get happy. Uh, what's that? Get happy. Yeah, like everybody celebrate. The savior is here for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he's a six foot eight, uh, small forward, uh, 22 years old. He's actually 10 days older than Keegan Murray, uh, which makes him the second youngest Kings player. Um, Sean, $1.63 million contract fits perfectly into Marvin Bagley trade exception. Uh, Kings are probably getting like a lump sum of cash, uh, here because by acquiring him, uh, the Brooklyn Nets saved, I think the total is $8 million, uh, in luxury tax fees by, by sending, uh, Kessler Edwards out. Um, just what are your initial thoughts here? Well, I guess the responsible part of me should point out that as we record this, the trade is not yet official, and that Walker Kessler also has a um, Walker Kessler. Kessler Edwards. Kessler Edwards. I had to write it down like four times. 
Yeah, Kessler, uh, Walker Kessler would be fantastic. Uh, yeah. Kessler Edwards is not Walker Kessler. And no, he's uh, not. No, he's not. So there, he has to approve the trade, which is an interesting little uh, formality that is going to happen. But yeah, I think everyone's just expecting him to likely end up in Stockton in the G League. And it certainly, you know, fits what uh, all NBA teams seek, which is length and youth and athleticism and uh, see if he can properly develop into something if he remains i mean there's a possibility he may not uh, remain with the team but yeah has a team option for next year and uh very tertiary move and uh with the interest in development but it uh, does ignite and tip off what could be a very uh busy few days for the sacramento kings leading up until the february 9th trade deadline yeah, I mean, this is why the Sacramento Kings uh, waived Chima Moneki at the deadline, uh, at the January deadline for a guaranteed contract. And so they had this extra roster space that they could go out and do something with, even if that was just going out and collecting a couple of million bucks from another team. Um, to me, I, I don't, you know, again, the Kings had to waive Deontay Burton uh, from his 10-day contract in order to make this deal. Uh, from everything I've been told, the deal is done. Um, it, the call to the league will happen sometime today and, and it'll be over and done with, but it's a done deal. Um, he has like acknowledged that he's, he's on board with the trade. Um, I'm just not sure that like number one, he moves any needle because he doesn't, uh, but, but also that, uh, that he'll be here past Thursday. Um, interesting the, way of putting that. I'm not sure that he moves any needle cause he doesn't. <laughs> no, that's a. That's a very interesting way of putting that. Yeah, and I hear you. I, I mean, it's I mean, it's not it's not one that fans will you know get all excited about. It's not one that you're making a addition to make this playoff push. And but you know, it's it's every move you make is is with the hope you're making your team better. So okay, yeah. And so last season with Brooklyn, he played in 48 games, averaged 20.6 minutes a night, uh, 5.9 points. 3.6 rebounds, 0.6 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.5 uh, blocks. Um, he shot 41.2% from the field, 35.3% from three. This year, he's barely played. Um, in 14 games, he's averaging 5.6 minutes per game. There's no reason to give you stats on that. He's only played 79 minutes on the season. Um, he's buried on the depth chart. And uh, again, the the uh, Brooklyn Nets, we had them at, what, $185 million before the Kyrie trade. They dropped to $180 million in guaranteed payroll. Uh, this deal, you know, will drop them to like $178 million. But you're looking at dollar for dollar. Uh, they're, they're such a, they're a repeat offender, but they're also so far over the cap that um, I, I think this does save them around $8 million bucks by sending them out. We don't know what the Kings are sending out yet. Um, outside of it, the likely trade exception, uh, they do have to give up something. So I'm going to assume it'll be like, I, I mean, they still have the, uh, the draft rights to Alex Oriaki, uh, or the, the, the rights to him. Uh, they also have, um, who was it? Luka Mitrovic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luka Mitrovic, which, uh, Vlade Divac took in like the last pick of the the Kyle Guy Justin James draft. Um, so they still have his rights. So you'll probably see something like that. They'll have to send rights to something. They're not giving up a second round pick or, or anything in this deal. Um, Sean, 
like this is the the first real move we see the kings do um but i think it brings us to the larger discussion uh that we'll have today which is that you know it it appears an arms race is is starting to heat up in the western conference we had the uh the Kyrie acquisition by the Dallas Mavericks uh which again like who knows if that will work out or not we didn't talk about it last week we talked about him you know basically demanding a trade um but what are your thoughts on like does this sort of do the Kings need to keep up with the Joneses here when it comes to uh the trade deadline which is only a couple hours away uh yeah I mean you gotta you're third in the west and and I think you've surprised a lot of people and so in doing so you could stay and you could stand pat and again I like to point out just how delicate the west is because there's so much parity and everyone's clumped up and you're two games behind the the Memphis Grizzlies who are kind of you know falling the other way all of a sudden and you're four and a half out of being out of the play-in game falling tumbling all the way to 11th or 12th so um I feel that if you stand pat you're gonna be just fine I think uh the, some of the things you want to do is is look towards your future and, and better yourself so that you can sustain prolonged playoff success uh, and ultimately earn your way to a championship. And I don't know that this is the team. Uh, I'm actually I'm pretty confident that this isn't the team that's going to vie for a championship. And I don't think there's a move out there that makes you a championship type contender uh, this year. So you're, you're going to be smart. Uh, you're going to develop towards the future and uh, you're not going to be pigeonholed or make a move out of desperation. You, I mean, you, you have to be, I think, what the thing that this front office has shown is, is patience over the, over the few years that they've been here. Uh, they've been rewarded for that patience. They've made a franchise-altering move last year and bringing in an all-star like Demonis Sabonis. Uh, it's paired well with the lead franchise player of De'Aaron Fox that you, that, uh, and, and Mike Brown, and you've put pieces around him. So I feel like... Uh, they're going to try and be aggressive. If they can make a move, they will, but um, they're not going to do so out of desperation. They're not going to be fooled by the success that they have. And, oh, my gosh, I need to go out there and grab this piece because, you know, we figure that this could help us in a playoff series. You know, you're not going to sacrifice some of the uh, equity and some of the 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 development that you've done. So um, if there's a if there's a big name that they can go out and get, I think they'll try and be aggressive. And there's one thing we like we've we've found out about this uh, this group is they like to be tied to everything. So they want to they like the option of being able to strike when the iron's hot. So uh, no time like the present. And you might see a lot of teams make some pretty desperate moves uh, like the, like the Dallas Mavericks just did in acquiring Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. But uh, I, what I think is going to be interesting, James, is to see who's a seller and who's a buyer because I feel like there's uh, a lot of teams that are going to want to sell or position themselves as if they want to sell. And my question has always been for the greater part of the last month or so is should they, should they believe in the, uh, the play in tournament or the position they might be in the West, even in the East, just, you know, I think in the West there's so much more uh, parody and so much more, not a clear cut favorite, if you will. So uh, if you're a team like, uh, I don't know the Warriors. Are are you doubling down trying to trying to add on? You're already in the luxury tax. If you're Phoenix, are you looking at okay? Here's my tea leaves. We've got a star in Devin Booker, and it might be time to kind of implode some things. DeAndre Ayton is a hot name right now, so uh, there's a there's a lot of options, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things and movement that happens, uh, particularly in the West. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a wild couple of days. Like, in all honesty, I think it will. Even, like, the Warriors, um, I, the reports this morning that the that they could consider uh, dumping Weissman, um, like, and, and it's crazy. Like, the salary cap implications of Weissman are, some if, they're, if they can get rid of his contract and take nothing back this season, and he's under contract for this year at, I think it's nine point something, but next year at 12 million, um, if they can dump him, and there are, I think, four teams that could actually take him without any problems and send nothing back, it would save the Warriors something like $51 million this year and $80 million next year by, by dumping him. They could dump him. They basically could shave $130 million in luxury tax. That's crazy. So, yes, I do expect them to be bold and to do something intriguing when it comes to like pairing out the backside of their roster, uh, it, when it comes to the Warriors. Outside of that, like what can the Warriors do? Um, you're you're tied to Steph, you're tied to Clay, you're tri- tied to Draymond, you're tied to Wiggins. Like you have this core group that is aging, and you have no idea. You know Steph's now out until after the All Star break, uh, which is again opened a door for De'Aaron Fox. We'll get to that, um, but. Yeah, I think there is a. It's an interesting, uh, like question: Who is a buyer and who is a seller in the Western Conference, or in the league in general? And you know, like today's move doesn't mean really. It doesn't mean anything for the Kings. The Kings can waive Kessler Edwards tomorrow. Uh, they could also free up more roster spots by waving a Kaziak Pollard, Chemezi Metu, or Matthew Dellavedova. They can still do that and clear up roster spots if they don't use those guys in trades. So I, I too, expect the Kings to be active here. Uh, I expect them to, like, if there is a deal that aggressive that they can be aggressive and make some better, I expect it to happen. But I also kind of feel like we're probably going to see this team explore, like, two or three smaller deals, if that makes sense. Like, I could see them, you know, maybe swing for one of these veterans in Josh Richardson or Mason Plumley, but also, like, do some smaller trades that, that bring in some players that maybe don't fit at, like, perfectly right now or maybe aren't, like, being perfectly utilized where they are. You know, when we talk about Thibel or we talk about Darius Baisley. Like, these are guys that, like, the Kings have enough, like, small moves that they can make to make things interesting here in the second half. And I look that they're more of a team that isn't looking for like a three, four, five hole hitter or a a first or second starter, uh, you know, if we're using a baseball analogy. But they could use another bat in the lineup and they could use they could use a couple of relief pitchers and maybe an upgrade at their fifth starter. I like the baseball stuff. That's uh, I mean that makes sense, right? It's right up my alley. Um yeah, I suppose so. Um Again, I, 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 I've been saying it for a few weeks on this podcast, James, and, and I, I think you agree with me. I think they've identified the moves they'd like to make. I just don't think they have the pieces that they to make some of the moves that they would like to make. Like I feel like there's a um, a wish list, a grocery list, if you will. Uh, but in order to kind of give some of those to, to acquire some of those things, you just don't really have the. It's like you're you're car shopping, and you're just like, oh, I don't really have the means to get that one but i really want that one uh and then there's the ones you can afford and you're like yeah but i don't know that it's really gonna be better off than what i have 
And so maybe I should just kind of sit, rest on my laurels and maybe get to next year or maybe get to the, the off season. Um, it's a lot of that I feel, but, but you have to be ready. You have to do your due diligence and there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some action called your way because you've, you've got a lot of possibilities. You have expiring contracts, you have the means to make money work. So, um, yeah, I think it could be a pretty, it's always interesting, right? Like it's always going to be interesting around this time. And when you've got people who are ready to, to sit down and talk and, you know, you could really be that team that maybe attaches yourself to a neat little deal and, and, and see what comes your way. But, um, I don't know. It's going to be some uh, fun times over there at the, uh, Golden One Center. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll go back to Monty McNair's first, uh, first trade deadline. And I think this trade deadline could be very similar to that trade deadline. He went out and he got uh, Terrence Davis, he got DeLon Wright, and he got Mo Harkless. Yeah, three, I don't know about that. You don't think that he'll do something that extreme? I mean, you're talking. I mean, that's a that's a very that's an active one. And even though those uh, look, I think what was interesting about that year, and I give him credit because he went out and identified what his team needed, uh, and he went out and kind of got it to really kind of help things uh blossom i don't know that i don't i mean three three moves would be would be pretty uh that'd be that'd be that'd be bold <laughs> you know i don't know that you're going to be looking at three moves at the deadline i think it might be you know another one i mean including this uh, kessler edwards one but um that one to me was a little bit different because you had a team that was really just going nowhere and this team this team right now is a team that is bona fide third in the West, you know? So I think you have to be a little bit more careful and cautious. Yeah. But I, I could make the argument that like, there's a way to improve your team multiple times between now and Thursday. Certainly. Like, certainly. And if, and if those deals are sitting there, if there's, there are players that you've sort of earmarked and said, Hey, like, I like that guy. And I'm not talking the OG and Anobi deal. Like, sure. Would the Kings like OG and Anobi? I, I guarantee they would, they would be intrigued if he was sitting there ready to, you know, be, be plucked away from the Toronto Raptors. Um, but the other deals that we're looking at, I think they can tinker around the fringe of this roster and, and make some improvements using second round picks. They can't, they can't do it, you know, using talent for talent. I'm not going to say that. And, you know, I look at the, again, the, Harkless, DeLon Wright, and Terrence Davis, if you look at those three players that they brought in, like one is a young scorer, one is a veteran defender, and one of them is a backup point guard, like I think the Kings could definitely attack their weaknesses on the roster right now by looking at deals like that. And I'd even point out that last season, you know, we get so caught up in the fact that they got Sabonis. The Sabonis deal was one of two gigantic trades, like the Marvin Bagley trade um, was was like what a bring in three pieces. Um, it was like a three team like multiplayer deal. I mean that thing was complex, and they were able to pull that off while they're while they're pulling off the uh, Sabonis, Sabonis trade. So like I, I think that they can do some things here. And and to be honest, uh, like whether you agree with me or not, I I think that they owe it to the top six or seven guys on this roster to do that, to go out and get them some of the pieces that would help them. And I think it, it's kind of the way I compare it to that last, the two years ago is that I think he went out and like you said, and really attacked weaknesses on his team. 
and brought in guys who aren't going to be franchise changers, but who could support the team that they had that day and get them through the rest of the season. And that's kind of how I look at this. Like, I don't think that they're looking for, you know, like again, Josh Richardson, 12 million bucks. He's in the final year of his contract. Mason Plumlee, final year of his contract. Darius Baisley, uh, will be a restrictive free agent this summer. Matisse Thibel, restrictive free agent this summer. So these are like, they're almost NBA budget buys because you're getting a player for much less than you normally would if they were under contract for two or three years. And so that's where I think that McNair will try to play. I don't think he's going to swing for the fences. Well, certainly you, those aren't swing for the fences type moves. And uh, again, I think there you can you can try. You can go after, you can try and associate yourself and, and try to have those conversations. But at the end of the day, as I say, it takes two to tango. And the, the pieces you'd be willing to part with aren't really all that attractive to land a player that you would designate as a swing for the fences type player. So um, that's, and that's when you start to cut into some of your more important rotational players right now. So uh, that's the dilemma and yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't, uh, and then you also have to account for chemistry. Like things are, you know, have, for the most part have been rolling pretty well. I'm not, uh, you know, I, th I know people get so caught up in a, game to game win loss kind of thing it's like you lose to the to the pelicans by 30 plus or whatever it was uh just a couple nights ago and then you come out and you beat the worst team in the basketball at the houston and it's not like you know all your flaws are fixed and everything's good again just because you got to see that purple beam up in the air above golden one center but at the end of the day you, you're looking at likely uh, a possibility of a four and three road trip. And we talked before the road trip about what would define success. And if you're four and three on a seven game road trip, I don't care who you're playing. Yeah. You might want like to see that be five and two, but uh, at the end of the day, four and three is a hell of a lot better than being three and four and you could still be three and four. Yeah. And if they do somehow win this game uh, tomorrow night and take down the Houston Rockets again, um, that would put them at eight games over 500 like coming back from the trip, like that's a big deal coming back Huge. on this, from this trip, you know, surviving a long road trip and being anywhere near 500. That's a, that's a big deal. And so I also, I also like to take people who, you know, throw out a lot of rumors out there and you know, the rumors are fine. Um, yeah. But if, if you ask yourself and you and I'll just use um, Matisse Thibel for an example, right? That seems to be the loudest, um, uh, at least in recent weeks, if you could take that name and you and you go, okay, who does he supplant in the, in the roster? Is that okay? That's an upgrade over Casey Akpala. Okay, maybe, um, but like rotationally, where does that fit? Like, are you really impacting your wins losses that much? Um, so you ask yourself those questions, and, and I think that's part of the calculus. And in, in when you do these things, and again, I sometimes think people just want to see moves for for the sake of there being moves because sometimes the business of basketball can be more um, entertaining than the actual games themselves. So uh, people live for this stuff, man, the, you know, the fantasy basketball component. So uh, I, I just tend to look at it and like, you know, you, you'd like to make, you'd like to make an impactful move to help a playoff run and, and do all that. But, you know, I, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, if you use someone like Josh Richardson or, or Mason Plumlee as an example, who were, an expiring deal, right? And are you really comfortable in moving out possibility of two second round picks as opposed to back end expiring contracts where you just reshuffle some 
some roster spots uh, to, you know, maybe you get rid of two guys that aren't playing for a guy that maybe could play. Um, like when it gets to some of the second round picks for a guy that could be on your team for 20 so games, is that really wise decision? So, you know, if you, if you're asking me to, to move an expire, an expiring piece or two for a guy like that, yeah, I'm all for it because essentially the money is just going to come off and, you know, maybe another team gets a better look at somebody who might be on your team that they could be interested in. But at the end of the day, losing a moving picks, even though you do have a lot of seconds, you know, for a team that historically doesn't tend to draft their second round picks, <laughs> I, I'm just not, I'm not so sure about those types of moves, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm down for a lot of these moves. Uh, the Kings have all of their own first round picks between now and 2029. Uh, they can't trade their 2026 or 2027. Um, because if their first round pick that they owe for Kevin Herter doesn't get relayed in 2024, 25, or 26, it becomes two seconds. Uh, but they also have a 2023, a 2024, a 2025, and a 2027 or 28 second round pick as well as their own picks. Um, so they've got lots of stuff to work with. And I mean, we saw it this last offseason, they traded, um, didn't they sell one pick? And then they they traded the other for Sasha Vazenkov's uh, like future rights and like a, another second or something. Um, like I, I don't think that they value them all that much as actual trade capital as they do as trade chips. I mean draft right. capital, not draft capital, right. trade capital. That's how they value them, uh, which is to me that's interesting. So I mean, if you're a good team it's going to be very difficult for a second round pick to make the roster. That's, that's the way it goes. And if you have aspirations to be a good team, um, there comes a point where second round picks need to be extremely valuable to you because you have to have roster spots taken care of and they actually help. But that's when we're talking about like year three into a really good playoff run year four, when you have to save on the back end of your, of your rotation or your, the back end of your roster, uh, right now, the Kings are in a point where, like, they need more talent. Like, that's what, like, I, I think, you know, Sean, like, we watched De'Aaron Fox uh, miss a pair of games. And uh, first of all, shout out to De'Aaron and his wife, Rose, who had uh, baby rain this, uh, I think it was on Friday. Uh, congrats. It, it's a huge moment for them. Uh, for some of the fans that are out there that, like, couldn't deal with the fact that De'Aaron Fox missed two games uh, while his wife had a baby. I don't know what to tell you except for Ooh. like, like there, Oh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of ruckus on the social media. Uh, oh, don't listen to it. It's vile. Well, even That's... that, like going at Rose and, and like, like people, there were bannings. That's what happened. People got banned, uh, got drop kicked on Twitter. Um, I don't understand that. Like when we talk about like Sean, I think this is something you and I can address like here because when it comes to personal issues, I've always had this opinion that, like, first of all, if it's if it's something that's weird and drags on and on and on, we have to actually dig in and research it. Most of the time, we have a good idea what the personal issues are. And, like, if someone's out with a personal reason, they're out with a personal reason. There's nothing, like, we can do or say about it. You know, we've seen everything from James Johnson missing a month uh, while his girlfriend had, like, a, a preemie baby to... Um, George Hill missing time uh, again and again and again because like family members kept passing away to uh, Trevor Ariza missing time because he was in court uh, fighting for custody of his son. Like we've seen a lot of these things, but 
Like, how do you approach it when, when we talk about personal issues with players? I mean, it, it they're just that, you know, there's, there's things that happen that don't really affect the team. I mean, uh, look, no matter what walk of life you have, um, you have a workforce that you're in your job and you have personal days. I mean, that's just, that's kind of how they are. So, uh, with, I think it varies from person to person. Look, I don't think Darren Fox was wanting to be all secretive about his child. Otherwise he wouldn't have, you know, talked to a reporter in the locker room last night in Houston about it. Um, we all knew he had a baby that was due around the, the, the all-star break. And, uh, he talked about that. So yeah, when he went away with personal reasons, you just, all you do is you check in and hope everything's okay and that there's no complications and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, when he, when he returns to the team and he's asked about it or, you know, he, he chooses to talk about it, then it is what it is. Yeah. I think for them, it's, it's really cool because De'Aaron is from Houston and it, it's very fortunate that they had a few days off in, in Houston and his wife is able to be in Houston. Like if, if they were playing in Charlotte, you know, for two, two, well, he wouldn't play in Charlotte for two straight because they're an Eastern Conference team. But let's say they're in Memphis for two days. Like, I don't, I don't know that he would have been, um, that he would have been in maybe one of these games, possibility. Um, but yeah, it's very fortunate that he has a, uh, a situation where his baby is born in the city in which they're playing two games in three nights, and it happens to be his hometown. So, uh, very, very fortunate in that regard, as opposed to someone like Sabonis, who, you know, had to take a few games away last year for the birth of Tiger. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a they're all delicate, but they're all human at the end of the day. And I'm sorry if that interferes with your fantasy basketball team or your your you know daily gambling wagering stuff. I mean, or uh, your want for the beam to be lit. I mean. It happens, man, you know, (laughs) take a step back, keyboard warriors and just, you know, deep breaths, you know, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And and like, look again, we know about the baby stuff, right? We know, but like when it goes quiet and he's out for personal reasons, we're assuming that it's baby related, but like there's still complications that happen here. I mean, just like they're like, there's always yeah, it could a be a death in the family. Could be a death in the family. Could be a legal matter. Could be yeah, uh, like all a number of things. So yeah, it, it, at so. that point, it's 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 a legal. It's it's when it becomes a personal matter, you just chalk it up to that, and hopefully, you can find out some information down the road a little bit. You know, but yeah, yeah, um, and and that and for us, like I, I think if it became like a two week thing, like we're with you we would sit there and and dig in and even if it hits like a week and he's missed five games or something like that means that something more dramatic is happening and it's you know that's when we start chasing these things um but yeah I, just people are like you need to calm down a bit like these are human beings and uh they deserve the respect and privacy and and then when they do show back up and you do ask him the question, uh, you know, then, then it's fair game at that point when they, you know, decide to put it out there. Or if they would have put something on Instagram during the weekend, it would have been like, that might have been a little easier. Uh, but at the same time, like, look, it's two games. Kings may not have won those games either way. We don't know. Uh, but what we do know is that family comes first uh, for, for the players as, as well as us. And so, uh, again, congratulations to uh, to the Foxes uh, for welcoming a little one in the world. Um, Sean, it, I think the 
another interesting thing that we can discuss with uh, with Fox out, it opened a door for Davion Mitchell, and that door that got opened may not have been like a good thing for him. Um, I, I, had, did your mind change on him? And I mean, to be honest with you, like at, at some point, like the way he's played all season long, is is that another position of need that the Sacramento Kings might need to address between now and Thursday? Uh, just because it, it doesn't look like like he's capable of stepping in and playing a major, major role if there is an injury issue or there is a problem with De'Aaron Fox. No, I mean, look, I think you've already had, um, I don't think one game or two games with Fox out uh, is is going to change your mind, especially if you're that front office. You you should already know what you have there. But if you're asking me personally, yeah, it, it didn't. Um, I think you're in the midst of a very long road trip and there's been some moments where you just really haven't played as well as we've seen this team play. And I think it, uh, it it's it's more than just one or two players. I think you can even group Damanis Sabonis in there. I mean, he's putting up some numbers, but I don't think he's particularly playing uh, very well in on this on this stretch of. Uh, so, it's it's opened up a lot of questions. Certainly, they've been on the road just a very very long time. Uh, I think when you're looking at someone like Davion Mitchell, you know, I think teams really. Uh, attack his lack of you know physical stature and when you're on a team that doesn't defend very well to begin with uh, and he's the one of the few people that do uh, it's easier to exploit so uh, he you know it's a pick and roll deep pick you know defenses are hard to guard against a pick and roll and uh, some of those things tend to 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 really take advantage of a bad basketball team defensively so i i think just collectively this group looks like they're ready for the all-star break i think collectively they've kind of started to get a little bit overconfident in in some of the things they've been able to accomplish uh, so far and in building that you know that what is it possibly eight games over 500 that you're looking at and uh coming home to sacramento to face a dallas team before you know rolling into the all-star break here pretty soon so um yeah i think i think this team just kind of needs needs a little bit of a break right now and it's not it's not uncommon for they're not really unusual to any other team in the nba i think a lot of nba teams right now really are looking forward to this break that's uh just a little over a week away now yeah they're beat up like you can just see it the the legs aren't there the the guys are fighting through uh you know like keegan murray looked like like literally like he I, I, we we will use the proverbial wall but really it looked like he hit a wall like out of nowhere he was good one game and then the next three games it was like holy cow what in the world just happened to him um there was even a point where i saw him like taking like some really weird mechanics uh in his in his three point shot and it was like what in the world was that like <laughs> you're you're grasping at straws but then at the same time that he's having that same struggle, Kevin Herter is too. Like yeah, Kevin Herter like fell by the wayside for a game or two. And so like I think there is something to the All-Star break. There is something to like running out of steam and and also like seeing something just up ahead and getting slightly distracted, not being in the moment nearly as much as you should be because there is something, you know, bright and shiny up in the distance. And uh, like we've one seen of, it. one of which one of which, by the way, is the not the all star break, but it's the trade deadline. And, and that yeah. can even that can even affect teams. And, and especially if you think of 
you know, certain guys on this roster, you're looking at that going, okay, what's that mean for me? So, uh, yeah, don't, don't take a whole lot away from these, this, this, this stretch of basketball, because, uh, you know, that this team has, has looked infinitely better than they've, uh, than they've looked on this trip. And, um, you know, they don't play as bad. I mean, they, they've got some warts right now for sure. And they need to iron some of those out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I forgot about that. Just talking about the, like the fact that a lot of these guys, like, especially guys who've been traded multiple times, a lot of them get a little gun shy. I mean, I think you and I both like the guy who always stood out to me was like Marcus Thornton, like couldn't play basketball at all. Like the, the week and a half before the trade deadline, like he couldn't even hit a shot at all. And then as soon as a trade deadline pass, he goes for 33 points. And you're like, man, what in the world happened? And you see, like, just the stress level to some of these guys. They can't handle it. They don't know what's next for them. And, uh, like, that's part of what we're seeing. Mike Mike Brown mentioned something after the loss. Uh, let's see. What is it? On Saturday? Um, when Maybe it was Sunday. Is that when the Kings played? Sunday it, was the loss to, to, to the Hornets. The loss to the Hornets. And he said that... Or, excuse me, the Pelicans. <laughs> the Pelicans. Yeah, he said something about the... Uh, the um, like the all-in mentality is being tested that, you know, we're hitting some adversity and we're seeing some guys who are are not all-in. And uh, I thought that that was intriguing, like that he was actually calling his, his some of his players out. Did you see anything that made you feel like someone wasn't all-in? Uh, yes. I saw them lose by 30 to the Pelicans, to a team that had just played three games in four nights and uh, snapped a 10 game losing streak against the Lakers the previous night and then playing without Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and come out there and just own Valanchunas. Yeah. Valanchunas out too. I mean, this was a team that, you know, the Kings may have looked a little overconfident and thought, Oh, this one's in the bag. We got this, but you started to see a little bit of hero ball. You started to see some things that were a little uncharacteristic of a team that is known for having that fast-paced, efficient ball movement uh, offense, it didn't look pretty. And the Kings play a pretty band of, brand of basketball, and they didn't. And I, I don't think that solely falls on the, well, we don't have De'Aaron Fox, and so we're going to look like a clunky, you know, product, basketball product. I really don't think it's that simple. But um, I didn't see – I think there were some frustrations. I don't think – Part of me doesn't think that Mike Brown is talking about when he's talking about the all in mentality and we're facing adversity. What I think he, and again, I don't have a chance to talk to him yet. He's on the road here, but Mm -hmm. I think maybe what he could be alluding to is not the fact that all of a sudden people are flying in the face of that or, or showing resistance towards what's being taught. I think it's as simple as my focus and certain, certain players focus and, and mental uh, aspect of the game is being distracted. So when you're all in, you have a focus. You're 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 locked in. You're you're locked in at the task at hand. And here you are on this road trip, lots of distractions going on, and now your your focus isn't quite there. It's not what it once was. You're not quick to react. You're not uh, as sharp as you should be. Um, things that you've built these these good habits and these attention to detail may have waned in the past few games. And I think that's to me. I think that's what it means. I don't think it's um, someone blowing up in the locker room, someone saying, screw that, I don't want to play that way anymore. Uh, I don't think it's as, as drastic as that. But certainly with the adversity, when you add in the loss of Fox, um, at the time you don't really know when he might be back. 
Uh, you're looking at a 30-point loss. You're looking at things kind of being a little different over the past few weeks. I, I, I think all it takes is just a little bit of a fine-tuning of details and utilizing a practice to do that or sitting down with individuals and, and you know, even with someone like Sabonis and be like, hey, man, they're, they're, all, they're all looking at you especially with no Fox, they're looking at you to be, to be that guy, go out and be that guy, you know? So, um, you know, you've got guys who are in shooting slumps, you know, Malik Monk had just gone through it. Look, it appears he shot himself out of it. Kevin Herter, you, you hope got a little bit of, uh, what I like to call the slump buster against, uh, Houston in that first game. I mean, he, he certainly Keegan looked like Murray, he, Keegan Murray for sure. As, as he's a career high. I mean, these are, these are, these are good things. These are good things. And they came at the right time. And if you can end that, uh, you know, that, that road trip on a positive note, and hopefully they can, you know, hold serve and close things out and on Wednesday as well against the, the Rockets, even in the face of all this adversity still, you did get De'Aaron Fox back, and he, you know, looked like he had been gone for a few days. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it looks like for sure. I, I think um, I think them getting home, and I mean, this is a long trip. Seven days, I mean, you're talking about, was it 13, 12, 13 days on the road? Yeah, it's That's long. A, it's a long one. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, like, Keegan Murray's never been through this, right? He's never been through a seven-game road trip before. And, you know, he talked a, a little bit about, um, like, while he was on the road, about how, you know, he hasn't seen his twin brother since, like, August. And he's he's probably going to see him during the All-Star break. But, you know, like, these are things that, like, you have to consider when you're talking about some of these players. Like, this is this is a grind, and it's also, it's really a lonely life for a lot of these guys. You know, a lot of them are away from their families a lot. Um, not everybody is, is you know, at the arena all the time. Uh, like what we've seen from even like Sabonis's wife and little one is at the arena quite a bit. Uh, not everyone's family is like that. And so it's tough for these guys. So um, I, I definitely, uh, it was good to see Keegan uh, come out of his, his shooting slump. And then all of a sudden he goes from out of a shooting slump to on like one of the biggest heaters we've ever seen. Um, I also wanted like <laughs> he he broke a record in that game. Uh, he had eight made three pointers, which broke Ricky Barry's franchise record of seven uh, made threes as a rookie. Uh, so you know that that's actually it's crazy to think that Ricky Barry's record held up like I don't know thirty five years. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, pretty amazing, um, especially with the sheer volume of, of rookies and like first round picks and stuff that the Kings have gone through over the last you know decade. Uh, so that was pretty impressive, and you know I think it's cool. He's going to represent Sacramento at the All Star Game, um, you know, as part of the Rising Stars Challenge. He could. Uh, we don't have the three point shootout yet, and who's going to be in it? I don't. I still don't know who is, but I got to be honest, Keegan. Like if you're looking at rookies and guys that are going to be great three point shooters in the league, he's on pace to break Donovan Mitchell's record of like 188 made threes as a rookie. Um, he's still pacing to sh to make somewhere around 200, 204, something like that. So like he he could actually be the all time leader in made three pointers as a rookie by the time this thing's all said and done. Uh, so I I think it'd kind of be cool to see him especially since he's already going to be there, uh, be in the three-point shootout. And although I think Kevin Herter would be pissed about that. Uh, Kevin's so? been pining for that. Yeah, Kevin really <laughs> wants to play. 
I keep hearing that. I keep hearing it from everywhere. Kevin really, and, yeah. and I've actually heard him talk about it. Um, he really would like to. No, play. he'd love to. He'd love to do it. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I don't, three points, you know. It's it's always interesting in finding the people that they get and people that want to do it and wanting is half the battle. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we've even talked about that since uh, our last podcast. We had the All Stars come out and uh, some people took it pretty pretty hard <laughs> to not see De'Aaron Fox in the All Star game. Yeah. When did was that on Thursday that it came out? Oh, it was on came Thursday. Out on Thursday and we were doing our happy hour. Yeah. We did have the happy hour and we didn't have a pod on Thursday. Um, so yeah. I tried to uh, warn people. I tried to brace people. Like it's yeah. it's it's tough, man. They like coaches reward defense. They just they just do. I mean, you look at look Drew Holiday made the All Star team. They're a great team. Uh, Paul George, a two way player. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably going to be the defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert's made it. You look at in previous years. You look at previous years of guys that have made it. It's like they're going to reward defense. It's the way the coaches think. They don't look. James Harden in the East didn't make the All Star team. He's on Philly. They're playing phenomenally, and he's averaging a double-double in assists and points. So I kept trying to point out to people that you have to have a really special season as a guard, particularly. You're, I said Darren is not of the like of Shea Gilgis-Alexander statistically and even Damian Lillard statistically, who's having a phenomenal season. And if you're on a bad team, it takes a phenomenal season. Sorry for my alarm there going off. Um, but, man – You've got a guy in De'Aaron Fox who, I'm sorry, everyone wants to throw the clutch number out there. And I, as a couple coaches have put it to me in recent weeks, like that can also be looked as a bad thing. Could be looked as a ball hog stat. I don't believe that personally. But I will say when you're not top 20 in the points, assists, and rebounds category, you get lost a little bit. And I think coaches look at Sacramento and go, well, we rewarded their best player. It's Demonis Sabonis. Sacramento is fine, even if they are third in the West. This is an all-star team. We're going to look at that. That being said... I think he probably was an all-star in my opinion. I I was doing uh, sketches a lot about what I would think that an all-star team would look like and figured that you might be rewarding the like of Anthony Davis or even Devin Booker, even though they hadn't played as many games. Uh, and, and I think that could still maybe happen even with some of these injury replacements. You know, Hopefully Fox can get in there that way. But I think if you're a Kings fan, look, you're already represented at the all-star game. Would it be nice to see Fox in there? Absolutely. But it's probably better for your team's success to not have him there. <laughs> Let him go be with his family, get that break, be with the baby, reset, be ready to go when the season resumes. I get you. Uh, I, I'm going to guess that there's a very good chance that he is uh, brought in to replace Steph Curry. Um, it, as of right now, it does look like Zion Williamson and Steph Curry will be replaced. Uh, right. Zion hasn't for sure been ruled out, but... I could see easily Anthony Davis getting in for Zion's spot and uh, De'Aaron getting in for uh, for Curry's spot. I'll say this too. There was a point a few years ago, it was probably more than a few years ago, uh, DeMarcus Cousins um, barely missed the All-Star team. And Sacramento Kings fans were, were clamoring for him to get in. He was clamoring to get in. And then uh, I believe it was Chris Paul got hurt. And they needed an injury replacement. And instead of DeMarcus, who was having a tremendous season, they chose Goran Dragic. And I specifically remember Adam Silver saying he was next on the list. Like, I'm going off the list. If he goes off the list this time, which is what he should do, the list has De'Aaron Fox as an X-Guard. 
without any question. There's six guards on, you know, the top six guards. De'Aaron Fox was number six. The other five guys are already in the All-Star game. Are you talking about the the, the fan, the cumulative one? What are you talking about? Yeah, Yeah. well, the cumulative, the fan, media. Devin Booker wasn't wasn't ahead of him? And player, no. I'm pretty sure he was. No, not on the cumulative. Uh, Hmm. Booker is seventh behind Fox. And so Fox is six. And so in my book, if we've heard this whole thing before that we're going strictly off the list, uh, number one, Anthony Davis was fourth out of all forwards. Um, so like he should be in, uh, but then De'Aaron Fox should be in as well. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Let's get to a quick, the business of basketball. Sean's got to get out of here in just a few minutes to do radio. Uh, we plan on doing this a little bit longer. We have no Brandy bear. Uh, (laughs) like it's been, it's been, you know, cats, dogs living together. My dogs are locked upstairs. It's one of those days. So let's get to uh, a real quick business of basketball. Um, do you think, uh, like, again, there's an arms race and we saw the first like domino fall. We could see something like Phoenix go out and do something crazy, like try to get Kevin Durant. Um, like should the Kings be concerned about the, uh, you know, what the teams around that around them are doing? Should they, you know, how would you approach this and, like we see a list of names that like whether they're confirmed or not, but like Thibel, Richardson, Plumley, Darius Baisley, uh, Nerlens Noel, uh, even Jared Vanderbilt. There's a how about, little. How about how about even a Josh Hart? Yeah, a Josh Hart. Okay. So, do you think the Kings pull off one of these moves, two moves, three moves? What is it that you think happens between now and Thursday? Because we're down to the wire, and we kind of have to, like. This is what it's about, Sean. What do you got? I'll, I'll play your silly little game, James. Um, yeah, I think I think I think one of those one of those players ends up in Sacramento, uh, but I think one. I, I don't. I don't. I just can't see. I don't think they're gonna. I, I just don't think you're gonna. You know, try to make a whole lot of moves just for the. You know, where you are right now. I think the moves that they want to do uh, are are bigger than that, and. You know, you kind of keep your eye on the prize, sort of a thing. By the way, I think also going back to the Kyrie Irving thing, like, how do you make that trade and not have an extension for him? Like, if you're not gonna, if you're just gonna give those pieces away for the sake of possibly losing him this summer and watch him walk over to L.A., why? What are you doing? That whole thing's it's, weird. It's desperation, man. I don't want him. I, I don't know how he fits. Uh, he he is a player that's played with other stars in the past and been able to take a secondary role. So I guess that's a good thing, but he's played off ball too. And he was really good. Yeah, but he's, he's a, that's a long time ago though. He's an interesting cat and he can't stay healthy and he doesn't play full time. And he has all kinds of strange ideas that he likes to put out there. Um, Luca will miss uh, like, I think the next two games. And then there's a possibility that they make their debut together in Sacramento when the Kings play back-to-back on Friday and Saturday, play the Mavs back-to-back. Uh, it's about, also possible. Possibility of uh, picking up a national TV game there. You think so? I think I think the possibility is very strong. Oh, Sean's trying to hint at something. <laughs> I, I can tell. I can tell I what Sean's nothing. doing. I just look at tea leaves and go, that'd be a good one to throw on there. Okay, so I asked you the question, so I'm going to answer it. Yeah. Um, I think the Kings will will make trades and bring in at least two of those players. 
I think that there will be at least two, and maybe not like maybe it's someone not on this list, but like today's deal, that's not one of the traits. That's not something that you're looking at as someone who's going to come in and, and make your team better today. That's basically the equivalent of another KZ Paula like experiment that you're bringing in. So I'll hit you with this. What's their biggest need? What do you think is their biggest need between now and the deadline? Uh, it, for me, it's always been the same. That hasn't changed. I sound, you know, three and D, uh, true small forward, um, uh, who is capable of being a starter. Um, that that's really shooting for the stars there. Cause I don't think they're going to be able to get that type of player, but I always answer that question because that's what I think they need the most. Uh, other than that, yeah, man, uh, rim protector is still there. I think big guy is still there. Someone capable of stretching the floor would be there. Um, but there's kind of a lot, you know, um, there's kind of a lot of things that, that, that they could use. Uh, I think they could identify players on their roster and say, if I had an upgraded version of this person, an upgraded version of this person, I think we'd be right there. So, um, yeah, man. But to me, it's always going to be the same three and D true small forward go for there. Yeah. And I'm going to answer very similar. Uh, number one, it's a defensive minded player. I don't even think it matters what position. Like, bring in someone that knows how to play defense but also knows how to play team defense and is a communicator and does all that stuff. Um, like, whatever position that is, you, you got to find better defenders. Um, I also think that this roster has maybe, like, five guys that, like, there's no reason to expect that they would be back next season. So go ahead and attack this this deadline as if you're trying to bring in some young players, and that's why uh, I think, like, a Thibel where, you know, you have – bird rights to him he's also uh restricted i believe um like darius Baisley. like you can make moves like that that not only could impact your roster this year but give you some option for next year uh to look at a guy longer and, and kind of get a better feel for who they are um and maybe like what sean said a player archetype situation where we're looking at players that you know you want to see how they fit with this group and then if there's an ability to go get a upgraded version of that player down the road, go ahead and do it. Um, or if that player develops into that player, uh, you know, it develops into the, the type of guy that you need. Great. But if not, you know, you know, kind of look at him and say, I would like to see what a player like this, but maybe 20, 30 percent better than this player looks like. And and so I think they'll be active. Um, so I'm going to guess two moves. Two reasonably like back into the nine man rotation moves. Okay. Does that makes sense. Do, do those players play? Do they, are they rotationally yes. active on your team when they get here? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest with you, like I think that there's an ability to move Malik Monk to the backup point guard position and use a player like Thibel as a, as a backup two, as a backup three, uh, more in like the, the, five man rotation between the the one the two and the three like you could add value there um i think darius basley could easily fit into a big man rotation um i think that again mason Plumley and uh sabonis could play together for short stretches and actually give you more of a true two big man especially when you're going up against teams now that have you know steven adams and and triple j and you got you know, Valanchunas and Zion, all the teams around you seem to have the ability to go to two, two big man lineup, and I don't think the Kings do. Um, so that's something that I would look at. Uh, yeah, I think that there's value there that you can get. I don't think it's going to cost you a lot to get it. It's all, you know, 
again, expiring contract type stuff and, and rentals. Uh, and they're going to cost you second round picks and expiring contracts. So if I'm the Kings, I'm super aggressive right now. Um, just because I think you're right there. Like when you can't guarantee that this team will be third place in the Western conference ever for the next five years. Like again, like you can't. Right. So if, if you're there right now, you might as well go get it. Um, okay. Sean, do you have any final thoughts real quick? Get well, Brendy Bear. Um, don't play a victim if you're upset that De'Aaron Fox didn't make the all-star team. Just the victim mentality is so silly. Just get over it, guys. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, he's going to be just fine. You got your you got your king in the all-star game. Two would have been nice. I get it. I'm with you there. But don't don't lose don't lose your mind over. Oh, we got screwed again. Just just calm down, okay? Calm down. You got some bonus in there. It's going to be fun, and uh, it'll be fun to be there. So, yeah. Um, okay. My final thoughts, real quick. Uh, the happy hour was a blast. Um, Aileen was incredible. Uh, if uh, we had like almost a hundred people in there, uh, which is incredible for like a an event like that. Um, so uh, thanks for everyone who showed up. Uh, thanks for all the questions that she got. Um, I thought she was really honest and open. Told some incredible stories, um, like. The Dream Team stuff was wild. The Larry Bird stuff, the going to Bill Walton's house stuff was totally crazy. Um, all of that stuff was was really cool. And uh, so thanks to Aileen for for joining us on the happy hour. Uh, we'll do one again uh, either later this month or early next month. Uh, but they are a staple of the King's Beat. So um, good stuff. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. If you're listening on some sort of podcasting platform, please give us a rating and review and stars. Uh, all that helps. Um, and uh, we'll see you later this week as we get uh, to the trade deadline on Thursday. So for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for your ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Thanks for joining us on the Kings Beat podcast. We'll see you very soon. Hopefully, Brennan will be back next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.